Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold! Coming to the ring, from parts unknown, the combined weight of 
Mm-hmm. Now, I heard a rumour this was just a smokescreen, and I've actually heard that um, they've gone to a... Uh, it's kind of like one of those couples uh, retreat weekends. Oh, right, okay, like relationship building. Yes, re- that, that's exactly right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's been a few um, cracks in the relationship of late, and, uh, you know, I think they're trying to um, to get things back on track. You know when they did uh, episode 100 with the uh, the GGTMT guys? Yeah. It was like, it was one of those things when, you're, you know, you're a couple and you're out to dinner with another couple and they're fantastic and everything's great and it just shows up everything that's wrong in, in your relationship. And I think that's where it's all my lo-fi, so... Well, I was going to message Loaf and, you know, just say, is everything all right? I, you know, it doesn't seem quite the same, but uh, he messaged us, so, uh, you he know... Did. He I, did. I, I hope they get that shit straight because yeah, they're a lovely I, yeah. couple. No, they're beautiful people, and I hope they can work out their differences. So, <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, enough of that bullshit. I will tell you what I've been watching in the last week. Now, normally a good week for me is maybe four or five movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, it's been, uh, it's been really good. When I told my wife I was going to be doing this, um, she's been a total enabler, and every opportunity, she said, oh, let's watch a film, let's watch a film. So, um, so it's worked out pretty good. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll go back a week. Last Thursday, we're, as we're recording this Thursday, not that you need to know that, doesn't really matter. Um, I saw Only God Forgives, um, which is an interesting little movie which people seem to be talking about. Still haven't seen. Have you not? Oh, okay. No, I'm actually going to the cinema tomorrow night, so uh, I want to see it on the big screen. Nice. Rather I, than I a... do plan on seeing it again at the cinema. Mm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It didn't sort of kick my ass the way that Drive kicked my ass, but it's uh, it's very interesting. It's it's kind of well, it's very definitely like an art house film. It's interesting how when Reffin Stock was probably at its highest after Drive, he's just made this totally kind of abstract, difficult art house movie. Mm. Um, but uh, I enjoyed it. I think I need to watch it again. There were a few um, faults. Is probably too strong a word. But there were a few things I, I, I wasn't quite sure about. Um, but generally, I enjoyed it. Um, it. I mean, it looks fucking beautiful. Every single shot, you could just freeze frame it and, you know, print off a, a still and it would be absolutely beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's good. It's definitely worth checking out. I think people who aren't enjoying it will probably expect in Drive 2. Um, and it's about as far away uh, from Drive as you could imagine. But yeah, good. Check it out. Good one. Yeah, good because I'm I'm sick to death of hearing that fucking soundtrack. There's a there's a guy in work who plays that real hero song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have like an open plan office and we get to listen to Spotify and stuff. But yeah. he's got the fucking worst music taste and he plays that song <laughs> all the time. I like so, yeah. that song, man, but maybe not twenty times a day. You know? Yeah, I mean it's it's been overplayed completely. Yeah. Um, so uh, I got to say as well the the soundtrack to Only God Forgives, fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm a really big fan good. of Clint Mansell, so. It's uh, no, it's Cliff. Uh, oh, it's Cliff Martinez. Yeah, sorry. My yeah, bad. yeah. Cliff, uh, Clint Mansell. He's he's a Manchester boy, isn't he? He's an Inspiral Carpet, wasn't he? Is that uh, Clint Mansell? No, no, it's Pop Will Eat Yourself, isn't it? Yeah, Pop Will Eat Yourself. That's yeah, it, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Ignore me. They've got a C and an M as initials. Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I expect people uh, listening to this probably don't know who we're fucking talking about anyway. So ah. fuck them. Fuck a lot of them. <laughs> uh, oh, I just got a text. I'll ignore that though. Uh, okay, uh, The Glass Key, uh, I think 1947, um, Alan Ladd, uh, Veronica Lake, um, really nice little film noir, 
Um, pretty good. It's got a, uh, an actor in it called William Bendix, uh, who I really like. Um, he's a real sort of heavy type. He's, he's got a bit of the uh, sort of James uh, Gandolfini about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's old Tom and Jerry cartoons where you see like the bulldog and he's got like the pullover on. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the bowler hat and the cigar. And oh, that, that, yeah. that kind of like 40s tough guy. Well, William Bendix is, is just like that. He's, uh, and he's really good. He's awesome. Uh, but yeah, a good film. Uh, film Wari, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, worth a look, definitely. That was good. Uh, okay, next up was A Bittersweet Life. Uh, first time I've uh, seen this. Have you seen this one, James? I have not seen A Bittersweet Life. Um, I, it's Korean, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, bar old boy and sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I'm, I, I'm not, I used to be into Asian cinema in a big way, um, when I started watching the Category 3 films probably yeah. about 10 years ago. Yeah. And then it just kind of dropped off and I never really kind of picked up with the, the resurgence that came a few years ago. Um, there's loads of films that I could do with watching. Um, in fact, it was listening to the Mill Creeps today that made me want to get back into watching Asian cinema again. Okay. So, you know, hopefully I'll be able to fit some into the ever-growing watch list. Yeah. And I'm kind of the the, uh, the same as you. I'm, I'm, I'm not really au fait with a lot of, uh, well, recent Hong Kong and sort of Korean uh, cinema. So, um, like you know, like you, I've seen a few of the uh, Park Chan-wook films. But um, anyway, A Bit of Sweet Life, I really enjoyed it. Great movie. Really good. Um, I can't remember who directed it at this point, um, so sorry about that, but uh, a nice, um, I guess, uh, well, kind of a, a revenge-type movie, I suppose. Okay. Um, nice and violent, and does some awesome fight scenes. Um, yeah, good. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Okay, next, uh, my wife and I, uh, we get free tickets to our local art house-type cinema, uh, which is nice. We get two tickets a week. So this week we went to see Francis Ha, which is um, the new movie from, uh, is it Noah Baumbach? Yeah, it's got a Greta Gerwig in it. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, kind of. Um, Yeah, it's like the first half of it, I was really trying hard not to hate it. Um, Lots of 20-something New York hipsters uh, with real kind of stylized dialogue and delivering it in a real staccato manner, and it was... It was kind of annoying, um, mm. but it, it sort of pulls it together a bit halfway through, and it sort of just about redeems it by the end. Um, okay. So not great. Um, my wife enjoyed it a lot more than I did, um, but yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, if it comes on TV or uh, if you get an opportunity to see it for free, uh, it's probably worth a look, but um, a little bit too self-aware. In, in fact, there's one scene where a character in it says, oh, this apartment is very self-aware. Yeah. Fuck, this whole film is very self-aware. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, it's okay. It passed like 90 minutes. Um, we were, uh, it was either that or, um, oh, God, World's End. Yeah. Is it World's End? Yeah, it is World's the, End. Uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And so we thought we'd go with Francis Howard, but we may go and see World's End this week. Speaking um, of World's well, End, sorry, was, go on. Um, sorry to, to That's okay. Things, uh, there was a total film interview with Edgar Wright. And he was like, the top 10 best films you've never seen. Oh, yeah. uh, and he actually picked some surprising films. Uh, there's a couple of Argento, some Korean. And the most surprising one was uh, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. Uh, really? Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy knows his shit. He 
probably could have done with taking some notes before talking about the films, but uh, <laughs> supposedly he goes Fuck, we to... we haven't um, done that, so why the hell? Why should he yeah. do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not a renowned director, so I can get away with doing what I want. Um, he's uh, Edgar Wright makes his way to some friends' film screenings in London. Um, this uh, a guy that I've been speaking to quite frequently. He does the cigarette burns, and he did uh, the thought, the fog on 60 mil. And okay, Edgar yeah. Wright was there. He said, like, "Ah, movie star director." Right, right. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he's actually but, uh, um, Edgar Wright uh, is from uh, a little. It's actually a city. I mean, it's tiny. It's a little village basically, but it's it has the status of a city because it has a cathedral. All right. And it's a city called Wells, W-E-L-L-S, which is where they shot uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, uh, right. That is literally about a half hour down the road from me. Um, so I've been there many times. Uh, and I have a friend who actually grew up in Wells, and um, he knows Edgar Wright, you know, not uh, like best buds or anything, but, you know, he knows him to say hello to in the pub kind of thing. So it's a small world. Yeah. There you go. Uh, okay, next uh, was uh, the Ipcrest file. Which, ah, very nice. Yeah, it's you know it's one of those films where I've seen bits of it over the years, but I've never seen the whole thing. Uh, so uh, yeah, my wife and I sat down and uh, watched the uh, the whole movie, and um, it's great. It's really good. Yeah, Michael Caine has probably never been cooler than he is in this. The soundtrack's fantastic oh. as well. Fantastic. Um, and, and just the way it's shot, the way, you know, there's kind of a fight scene filmed from inside of a telephone box. Lots of uh, cameras at low angles and peeking around corners. And it really sort of creates that sense of uh, sort of unease and menace, you know. So, um, yeah, it's good. It, I'm, I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Very it good film. Of, is it part of a trilogy or have I got that wrong or have I got that right? Well, it's, it's based on a novel by uh, Len Dayton, I believe. And I think that... He used the character. It's Harry Palmer, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. He used the Harry Palmer character in several other novels. Okay. Now I don't know whether they've been turned into movies or not. Um, possibly. In, in fact, didn't he play Harry Palmer in? Uh, is it the Fourth Protocol or something like that? Couldn't say. Never seen it. And I'm either. I remember the uh, there was a game on the ZX Spectrum when I was a kid. But um, that just shows how old I am. All yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. But Ipcrest file. Good. Worth checking out. If uh, if you haven't seen it, but it's probably just me who hadn't seen it. So, <laughs> uh, okay, next was um, this was on TV, uh, the final destination, which is the uh, the last part of the uh, final destination. What do you want to call it? Quadrilogy, I suppose. Was it not five? Oh, I thought it was four. Maybe it is five in that case. Is it the I... one at the racing track? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, maybe it is the fifth one. I don't know. They're all pretty interchangeable, but they're um, yeah, you know, they're I... kind of fun, aren't they? I caught the tail end of it. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's five. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, well, there you go then. All right. Hang on. No, it's four. I'm being a dick. Sorry. Ignore me. Don't be a dick, James. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my superior knowledge of the Final Destination films has been completely shown up there. Yeah, absolutely. You're, um, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, it's fun. Like I say, these movies, uh, they're pretty good. They're watchable. They're not great or anything. I always feel that it's kind of like someone's built a movie franchise out of the first ten minutes of an episode of Casualty. <laughs> you're just waiting for that accident to happen um, so you know that was okay I sort of kind of enjoyed it um, so yeah I watched that on TV uh, and after that finished um, another movie started it was kind of late it was about 1 o'clock by this point in the morning um, but I thought I'd just check out the first 5 minutes of this film and see what it's like uh, Australian movie from 2010 called Animal Kingdom 
You heard of this? Is it? Uh, is it about? Oh uh, uh, yeah, I have. Is it about a crime family? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Guy Pierce. That's right. Guy Pierce has got yeah. a fairly sort of small role as a detective right, right. in it, but it's basically this um, uh, sort of seventeen-year-old kid. Uh, his mother dies, so he goes to live with his grandma, who he's sort of estranged from, and the rest of the family. And they're basically a, a family of armed robbers. Um, and it was fucking awesome. Now, doing a bit of research after the fact, apparently this was nominated for an Oscar as a uh, best foreign movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just fantastic. I've got to say, it's probably one of the, the top five films I've seen in the last year. Yeah, superb. Um, great uh, performances. All the way out, um, particularly uh, God, what was his name? Playing the uh, older brother, I can't see his name here because I'm a doofus. Um, but yeah, really, really fucking good. It was, um, yeah, it was just, it was beautifully done. Really, really enjoyed it. I really urge you to seek it out if you have not seen it. Yeah, I'm, the I'm ones like, I, on the list. I, I know all about it. I just uh, just never got around to it. Yeah, I, no, I'd, I'd not even heard of it before, you know. So that's uh, that's pretty poor, isn't it? Um, so yeah but yeah a corker that one really good okay uh, next was Sworn to Vengeance which was a Cynthia Rothrock movie (laughs) uh, which I picked up in a charity shop for like a pang a couple of weeks ago Uh, I think it's from about 96 uh, and you can tell it's 96 because the clothes in it are just terrible Uh, (laughs) Rothrock wears a couple of just absolutely oh just terrible like trouser suits in there and oh just awful um but yeah you know it was fun uh she's a uh psychiatrist um who develops uh kind of psychic powers after being hit in the head as as one does um and basically her uh sister and um her nephew are murdered so uh you know she's out for vengeance turns into a bit of a vigilante um you know it's all right it's pretty good um, I always feel with Cynthia Rothrock movies, the American ones, they don't do her any favours because the fight choreography in this was, was poor, to say the least. Um, and she is a really talented martial artist. If you've ever seen any of her, like, um, Chinese films, um, you know, she's really got the chops, so I always feel that she's poorly served by uh, the American uh, industry, you know, but... There you go, whatever. I guess she, you know, pays a mortgage, so it all works out. Um, but yeah, you know, it was fun. It was all right. Pretty good. Uh, and I finished the week um, last night. No, Monday night with uh, I Confess, which is uh, Hitchcock. All right. Uh, I think this one's about 53, 54. Uh, it's got a, a young Carl Morden in it in the streets of San Francisco. Um, and it turns out he had a really fucking big nose even when he was a young man. Uh, and it's also got uh, Montgomery Clift who I absolutely love and he's great in this Um, basically he's a priest Um, somebody confesses to a murder to him um, and you know events transpire and uh, Montgomery Clift gets kind of caught up in the uh, web of deceit Um, and he's effectively framed for the murder but he can't speak out because obviously you know when when somebody confesses to you as a a priest you can't uh, break that trust so What's he going to do? But yeah, good. Really good. It's a kind of lesser Hitchcock, but it's uh, a very good one. And uh, as I say, Montgomery Clift, um, I just love him. He's got really great expressive eyes. There's just so much going on sort of behind his eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was good. Awesome. And uh, 
that was my week. So uh, what about you, James? All right. Well, uh, as as we've spoken at length, uh, getting to know each other over the, the past couple of weeks before we take yeah. on this podcast, uh, I am in the company of a heavily pregnant woman. So uh, a lot of my time is revolving around making her comfortable. And I, I don't really get a lot of time to watch films at the minute. So most of the time I'm staggering a film over a couple of nights just to, you know, just to get there because I'm asleep by midnight anyway because I'm dead on my feet. Work long. Well, I don't work long hours, but I, I work in quite a stressful environment. So, you know, you just want to relax and take it out of you. Um, but today has been today has been the most eventful day of the past couple of weeks, to be honest, because it started with a high and then ended on a bit of a low. Um, <laughs> I I'm in the or was in the throes of planning um, a day of Jello films in September. Why? Um, with a, fr- a good friend of mine called Johnny Redman, who runs the Love Lock and Load forums bit of a plug go and check them out they're really good um he helped me out no end with the Eurocrime day that i did uh, yes. and he wanted to try his hand at it himself so you know we we talked about what we could do and you know thought we'd go a bit off the beaten path from argento films etc so we decided to go with torso the martino film and so we so dead torso. <laughs> um and today or last night should we say um he got an email back from Shameless, who owned the rights to Torso in the UK, uh, and they were like, "Oh, it's sixty-five pounds to hire, you know, to get the license for the film. Brilliant. Okay, this is a go. That's not too bad. Oh, and we want thirty percent of the door as well." Um, to which they got a swift two fingers fuck right off because That's we'd sad. be in the we'd be in the red before we even got started. So the more we thought about it, the more we thought, "Is it really going to be worthwhile doing?" Because Especially horror fans know about Argento and they know about Lenzi from their kind of other films, whereas Giallo is is still quite a bit of a niche genre. So if we go out and show, say, I don't know, even like an early Fulci film, for example, you're not going to really pull the crowd in that you want. So we took the conscious decision to knock this on the head for the meantime while we kind of plan something a bit more, I don't know, sensible and rounded and I, I think we may go down the Argento route um, just because you know you're going to get a crowd who want to see an Argento film um, so yeah that was a bit of a bummer we put that on the back burner for now uh, that's, uh, that's a pity yeah it comes and goes doesn't it yeah I, you yeah. know we didn't really have a lot of time to plan it so oh uh, well uh, but the highlight of the day was there is a festival in London every year called Live Evil uh, and this is curated by this, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you know me, I'm into my heavy metal. Oh, yeah. There is a, a, a Norwegian band called Dark Throne. Of course. Uh, you know Dark Throne? Of Good course man. I know Dark, uh, Dark well, Throne. I was going to say Dark Throne, but I know Dark Throne <laughs> as well. The drummer, Fedris, um, is uh, a big underground ah, now, champion. Am I correct in, in saying here that your band was featured on his uh, Band of the Day blog? We were featured on his Band of the Week blog. That's Band correct. of the Week, sorry, which is... No, no, it's you, all good. That's, uh, that's, that's kudos in uh, metal it's, terms. That's, that's quite an achievement. A, it's a huge accolade. I yeah. mean, you know, this is some fucking 40-year-old dude who hikes around in Norway delivering posts in the snow and yeah. somehow got hold of our band's album and loves it. So this festival is pretty much uh, a full weekend of his Bands of the Week. But he knows what he's into and they're pretty cool bands, so... The email came through today that we're finally on the poster for this weekend, and you know it's been oh, plugging the shit out of it. It's 
So you're it's, definitely going to be playing now, yeah? Oh, definitely. But I mean, oh, we'd have been awesome. going regardless uh, because, you know, this is going to be in the end of October and it would just be just after my 30th. And so uh, there's going to be like 12 of us. We've hired out a hostel, but now we're playing it. So it's an incentive to just have a bit more of a party. So that's absolutely one of the coolest things that's happened in ages. Um, that is amazing news. I'm really stoked for you, man. That yeah, I mean, some. Sammy played a few tracks on the Gentleman's Guide. I mean, it might not to everyone's cup of tea because it is quite ferocious but there is a big like cinematic uh, undertone to a lot of the, the music um, fuck it we start off with a, the album starts with a, a Devil Rides Out sample we've got sample from Alucard we've got sample from Night of the Devils we've got Fabio Testi on the fucking album cover <laughs> so you know the kind of uh, the, the kind of aesthetic we're going for is there so so yeah that's been kind of cool that's really good news man I'm really yeah, chuffed with excellent so, as for watching over the past seven days or so, uh, there's obviously the, the two films that we're doing today, and there's two films that I'm doing on the Mill Creek, so I'm going to take them out of the equation. Okay. Uh, and the week kind of started with um, a festival uh, showing of Zidane, a 21st century portrait. Okay. Uh, this is a documentary that came out in 2006 about the French footballer Zinedine Zizou Zidane. Um, and basically what it was, was uh, this director set up multiple cameras around the Bernabeu in Madrid and just filmed him over the course of a 90-minute football match. And Mogwai, the Scottish post-rock band, did the, the music for it. So how this came about was it was at Manchester International Festival, which is a bit of a, a beardy, strokey festival of sorts. But <laughs> Mogwai have been one of my favourite bands for about 15 years now. So yeah. it was finally a chance to see the film with their live performance of the music, the soundtrack. Oh, they, they did the uh, soundtrack yeah. live. Oh, amazing. Wait. It was fucking super. Oh, like, I bet it was. Mind-blowing. But they decided to hold the concert in a venue that's never been... A new venue in Man. Say right, hang on. I'm going to start again because I'm getting mixed up. It's an old venue that's finally been turned into a new venue called the Albert Hall. So it's a, a listed building um, in the city centre of Manchester, like an old kind of cathedral building. Um, this can I just had- interject at this point, James? Sure. Now, isn't Hitler's left ball in the Albert Hall? I think it's the one in London. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Sad- carry on. Yeah, no Nazi memorabilia in Manchester, sadly. Oh uh, uh, well. Um, but this venue had no ventilation of any sort and it was ridiculous I came out I came out of the venue drenched it was it was was that hot Um, so that was the kind of chin strokey kind of event of the week done Um, and then I followed up with watching the recently released Scream Shout Factory Blu-ray of Life Force oh wow Uh, yeah It's been a long time since I've seen this film, and this was the the the, the proper cut of Life Force. Um, this film makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> like, obviously, Canon wanted this. From, well, from what I've been reading, that Canon wanted this to be their kind of Star Wars big budget. I think it's like three million budget film or something like that. Yet they give it to Toby Hooper, who's a notorious fucking hippie burnout. Um, what were they thinking? Yeah, what yeah. were they thinking? Yeah, but the end product is. It's so much fun, even though it makes zero fucking sense. Um, and it's got a, you know, it's set to a backdrop of London, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, premise is all about nude space vampires. Uh, that, How that's can you it. go wrong Pretty with that? Much. Yeah. Uh, they come down, or they get found in space on some weird fleshy spaceship and get brought back, and then all kind of hell breaks loose, and there's nude 
basically there's three nude vampires, but you only concentrate on one because she's got boobs out and she's really attractive. Oh, okay. Uh, Is there like a, a nude dude vampire? Yeah, but you don't concentrate. In- incidentally, one of the nude dudes <laughs> was Big <laughs> Jagger's brother, but I couldn't figure really? out which one it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the one so with the big film- lips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the film kind of plods on and there's like some weird possession and I couldn't figure out what the vampires fucking powers were apart from the fact they just want to harvest humans. That's that's the premise at the end of it. Um, I it's not a great... It, but, uh, it's been, I, well, I haven't seen it since it came out originally on uh, rental. So yeah, 85, talking, yeah, 85, 86, something like that, yeah. I mean, the film's a lot of fun. If you take it for what it is, uh, it makes zero fucking sense, like I said. Um, I then went on to watch The Kickboxer. Uh, the Gentleman's Guide review oh. had me chomping at the bit. Um, is that the first time you've seen it? Oh, God, no. This oh, is, yeah, this I was going to say. This is a, a big, big film from my childhood. Um, as I talked to you about um, my kind of film watching um, in the mid to late 80s yes. with my grandparents, we watch this kind of shit all the time. and. <laughs> This is like the film from my childhood. So just revisiting brought back some really good memories. Um, I, I had so much fun with it. And his fucking pants in this film are immense. <laughs> like, he's got, like, triple pleats. I didn't even know this existed. That triple pleated could... pants. That's, yeah. uh, you get a lot of leg room, I guess, for uh, the it's, high kicks and stuff. It's, you know? it's just for the dancing and the oh, uh, yeah. hand clapping. <laughs> um, yeah. I've started to kind of acquire a bit of a Netflix queue. So okay. you can kind of add to a list now, and whenever I'm just, like, scooting through, I'll, I'll end up watching something. And I watched a documentary that I've wanted to watch for a while called Chariot of the Gods. Okay, I don't know this um, This is based on a novel uh, by a... I think he's Dutch. Just bear one second. Oh, no, it. is this Eric von Daniken, the Danish guy? Yeah, based yeah, on okay. Eric von Daniken, um, who's a notorious bullshitter, yes, uh, by yeah. the way. And the only thing I could think of when I was watching this was, Zom needs to watch this, because <laughs> this is just Prometheus all over. This is just, oh. oh, our creators came from the sky and planted all these clues here, and blah de blah de blah de blah Fucking, ugh. I mean, it was entertaining to watch, because I have wanted to watch it for a while, yeah. but, uh, yeah. It's just a fruit loop, is he? When, when the fucking author of the novel comes out and says, yeah, this is pretty much bollocks, it's pretty much bollocks. <laughs> but it had a Peter Thomas score, which was absolutely brilliant. Um, that pretty much knocked it up about two stars for me, that the oh, score wow, was okay. absolutely perfect. Um, if you kind of like... It obviously had a big influence on the X-Files um, and, and these kind of programs. And um, I no doubt believe that Ridley, Ridley Scott has seen this and took a lot of Prometheus uh, the, the the story from this because it's, there's contrasting um, elements to both of the film and the documentary um, don't actively seek it out if you don't want but it, it passed 80 minutes or so Okay. Uh, and then I watched a the final Hal Ashby film 8 Million Ways to Die yes. the uh, um, yeah. Jeff Bridges um, Arquette film uh, with a, a very young uh, what's his face? Andy. God damn it! I'm uh... Garcia. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was really good. Um, it's what, like mid eighties, isn't it? A bit later. Eighty six, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, Hal Ashby obviously was coming towards the end of his career, and he was a, a notorious uh, drug uh, user around this time, anyway. And it was quite obvious that 
he pretty much let the actors get on with what they wanted to do. Um, but Jeff Bridges played the, you know, he's an alcoholic burnout private detective. Yeah. He played it really well, um, kind of on the trail of a, 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 a lady of the night's killer, if you were. Um, it was superbly brutal in parts. Like I wasn't expecting the violence and, uh, there's a, there's a standoff towards the end where he's got Garcia's coke and he's got the girl and there's this standoff and, it was really, really tense. Um, and it ends with a superb shootout and a bit of a chase down. And like I said, the violence in this was, was really, really good. Uh, oh, and, um, Oliver's own had something to do with the screenplay. Um, okay. So yeah, um, I believe there is another Matt Scudder film coming out this year with none other than Liam Neeson. So it'll be quite interesting to see someone else's take on the. Yeah, I've read, um, I've read several of the uh, the Matt Scudder novels. They're written by uh, Lawrence Block. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're great. They're really quite sort of downbeat uh, and matter of fact. And I've always thought reading them that, you know, they could probably be uh, translated to film pretty well. And I knew uh, Eight Million Ways to Die had been made into a film. But it's just one of those things I've never got around to uh, checking out. But uh, yeah. I think I will after after this. So Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's one of those... I mean, you hear a title like a film like Eight Million Ways to Die... You kind of think it's going to be low rent, um, but sounds pretty uh, exploitative, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But you know, it, good job, good job around. Oh, good, give, good. Uh, give Mr. Hashby a, a high five for that. Uh, and then I rounded off the week with the Silent Partner. Uh, I kind of taken to these Elliot Gold um, kind of hero roles that he's found himself in. I watched The Long Goodbye recently as well. Um and the silent partner, he's a he's a bank teller that uh that kind of preempts a robbery in his bank and ends up robbing the money himself and then the would be robber tracks him down and there's a bit of a game of cat and mouse. Um and you always get the feeling that Elliot Gold's one step ahead until he comes home one day and there's an incident with a fish tank and a head and some glass Uh-oh. and uh, I was again I was really taken back by the violence in this. Um He's got like the big sort of sort of poofy curly hair though, hasn't he, Elliot Gould? Yeah. So if he's slammed into a fish tank, or uh, you'd think he'd sort of have some padding there. Well, it but... it wasn't him. It was, oh, okay. It was, it was All right. One. Um, ah. But Christopher Plummer plays the uh, the the would be robber really well. Um, really creepy looking bugger, but I couldn't shake off his performance in Dragnet all throughout this because <laughs> that was on TV the other week, and all I can think of is the pagan dance in, in yeah, the uh, yeah. band. <laughs> and then me and Carrie got back from a wedding on Monday and we wanted something easy to watch together. So we watched The Hunger Games on Netflix. Two hours, 20 minutes of Jennifer Lawrence running around the forest. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, for two hours and 20 minutes of Jennifer Lawrence. So yeah. at least you've got that to recommend it, I guess. Woody Harrelson was okay. Um, Lenny Kravitz was in the fucking thing, which I didn't... You're kidding, expect. really? Yeah. Uh, some fashion designer, but... Yeah, that kind of ran in my week off, so... Um, actually, not that bad a week, considering... Um, I spoke Pretty good. To, What's that? Five or six movies? Yeah, I spoke to Red Waffle today, and uh, I'll speak to him most days, uh, and we were talking about what kind of how many films we've watched this week, uh, this month. It's like, oh, I'm on about 18 or something. He's like, oh, yeah, I've just done 60. Did you do 60 films in a month? How'd he do that? (laughs) He's got a wife and kid to support as well. Well, he he travels to work, so he's got an iPad, and I think Uh... he manages to watch a lot of that. So, you know, he's one of these guys that has this talent of fitting in films anyway, 
possible as well. Yeah, I kind of, I, I admire that in a way, because I, I need to sit down and watch the whole thing. I'm not very good at watching things in chunks. No, no, uh, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, just, well, you know, uh, yeah. power to him. So, that is the first half of the show, or first quarter of the show, should I say. Uh, we're going to take... We're on 42 break. minutes already. This is going to be uh, even longer than a regular silver and gold show. Yeah, so. No, I, thought, I was thinking that. Like, we've got a bit of a... a, a, a have watch lists to keep... Uh, yeah. Keep, but I think we've done all right. Fuck that Zom and his, uh, yeah. his watch list. That's, 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 that's a pussy I watch list, isn't it? I just 15 million <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hate women. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with The Night Child. Uh, we should uh, just specify as well. Sorry, James. We didn't actually announce what movies we are doing this week. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ah, this far. podcasting shit, it's a piece of piss. I don't know why people are so... <laughs> you know what I mean? God. So, two films we're doing today. Excuse my absolute ignorance of introducing the podcast. Uh, we we went for a, a not-quite-exorcist premise for the podcast. Uh, so I picked The Night Child from 1975, and Bernald picked Abby, The Black Exploitation <laughs> Exorcist would be from 1974. So we're going to come back, and we are going to do The Night Child from 1975. One, two, three, cuatro. Bombo Leo. What's up, my noogies? This is Michael Ravenshadow from the Trick or Treat Radio Podcast. All right, I'm here to talk to you about my buddies, the Mill Creeps. And I don't care if you live in Hawaii or the great state of Canada. Let me tell you something. Podcasts are the same all over the world except for the Mill Creeps. So listen, why don't you download the Mill Creeps show? But listen, turn the fans on, all right? So I want you to do. Put your fans on, turn the hot pockets on the microwave, turn it up to high, and download the Mill Creeps, okay? Maybe get your boys over the house. Maybe you can help you paint the deck. Maybe you can just paint each other. You know, it's crazy, it's sleazy, it's uh, a little bit scary, and uh, just do that. So uh, that's what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm putting DMX right on right now, and I'm going to listen to uh, some Milk Creeps. Download the Milk Creeps on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or milkcreeps.libsyn.com. is The Night Child from 1975 uh, the Italian title uh, excuse me any Italians listening Il Megdaglioni Insaguinato uh, What does that mean? Do you know what that means? Um, no uh, It sounds like the, the, the medallion of blood or something like that but, Yeah um, well 
There's an alternative title, which is uh, The Cursed Medallion. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, it might mean that, it might not, who cares. Yeah. Um, 1975 from Massimo D'Alemano. Um, now, Massimo is one of those directors that um, I kind of forget about, and I really shouldn't, considering his kind of calibre of films. Um, one of the first kind of gialli I ever watched was What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Um, and it instantly kind of encapsulated me into the genre. Um, he's he's obviously dipped his feet into Yoro Crimes, Yali, yeah. kind of horror, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he did uh, Cult 38 Special Squad in 76, and that seems um, to be the last film he actually directed. Well, he actually died shortly after that. Oh, oh well, that would, that would explain it yeah. then, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, he... <laughs> You know, he was, he was, I think he was pushing 60 around the time. Um, I think it was a car crash that he died in. Oh, man, uh, which is a crying shame because I would have really liked to have, I mean, what have they done to your daughters is kind of a, a Euro crime, Gialli crossover. Yeah. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen him do more pure Euro crime because I'm kind of ashamed at how long it took me to get around to watching, uh, Special Squad because that is a superb film. Um, he was also a director of photography for Leone, can't forget, on, uh, yes. Yeah. Fistful and a few dollars more. So that's right. Yeah. The one thing that I kind of took from this film is that um, his eye for style is absolutely superb. Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of the uh, the shots in this are really nicely composed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sorry. Go on. So um, I'll I'll just give a quick plot synopsis before we start getting balls deep into this film. Uh, the titular medallion is a gift presented to young Nicole Emily. Once the girl places the gift around her neck, she's possessed. By the spirit of a dead child who was a murderess. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, creepy, creepy organ music. Yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I noticed straight from the off is that you instantly know where this film is coming from. Um, you know it's Italian <laughs> for stars. Yes, yeah. I mean, he scores his films absolutely beautifully. Um, I'm not actually 100% sure who scored this film. It's uh, uh, Stelvio Cipriani. It's Cipriani. It oh, is, okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, I think he was his go-to. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great score as well, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it really is. Um, he, uh, it, it was absolutely superb, and it, it, really, it really got me from the off. Um now, the one thing I've noticed as well is that Italy really knows how to do creepy-looking kids. Um, she's an odd-looking uh, odd kid, looking. isn't she? She looks a bit like a turtle with no eyebrows. Yeah, uh, okay. and there's uh, also the uh, Gian, Gian, Gianni Frezza, who's the uh, the little bastard from House by the Cemetery and uh, the Warriors of the Wasteland. Um, oh, okay, don't know yeah. that one. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's Creepy, creepy looking Italian kids. So the film kind of starts off in London. Uh, the, the, the uh, what's she called? Em- Emily? Uh, she is called Big uh, Emily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Emily. 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 Well, so, it, it depends. Did you watch? I watched an English dub. So did you watch that with a subtitled version? I watched an English dub that oh, was going okay. back and forth from subtitles because uh, uh, it was the it was the Arrow video release. So it yeah, I think it was that was the same one I watched. Yeah. So the film's openly set in in London. Um, she, uh, she her dad's a, a documentarian um, who's uh, trying to make a documentary on Satan, um, and and uh, he presents his daughter with this medallion as a present, 
Um, he spookily has has had this medallion before um, and, and presents his daughter with this medallion, and almost instantly she starts having these premonitions of uh, being chased through um, Italian uh, streets and back alleys by a, by quite an angry mob. So this kind of sets the tone for uh, you know that there's this kind of got this. Uh, it's less exorcist and more don't look now. Um, yes, there's no, yeah. there's no real possessions as such. It's more of a, a, a visions and, 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 you know, go into a specific place. Um, I did, and, uh, I did think when I started watching this, that this really is not an exorcist rip off at all. No, so, no, uh, no. But you know, well, what the fuck? Well, uh, you know, uh, the medallion is clearly of some occult nature. Uh, you should and, point out as well that the, uh, the medallion belonged to her mother who mm. died in a horrible fire. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, so he passed it on to his daughter as a, you know, as a gift. So yeah. that might be important later on. The, uh, the the child did witness the death by fire as well. Uh, so obviously she's got some uh, emotional scars when it comes to parenting. But the one thing that I've, I've, I've noticed um, a kind of theme in Italian genre films is that the parents are fucking rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> like, they let their kids do some questionable stuff. Um, so they, yeah. uh, Richard Johnson, who plays uh, her father, Michael Williams. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't really seem to give a toss about her, does he? No, he doesn't give He's a more shit. interested in looking at his uh, old paintings and stuff. So. Well, there's um, there's um, her, there's Emily's kind of au pair, um, Jill. Yes. Uh, um, who's who's you know who kind of takes the role of the the surrogate mother, if you will. So, uh, it turns out that, uh. Michael needs to go to Italy to finish off his documentary on Lucifer. Um, and the one thing I've noticed that he, he shot London really well. Um, I love I really that scene where um, he goes to uh, visit the sort of production office and it is BBC TV Centre. And he just parks on the fucking pavement Yeah, as well. he just parks on the pavement and walks in. I'm just yeah. going to park on the pavement. I, thought, I wonder if, uh, if they got uh, permission from the BBC to film there. Probably not because there was a lot of confused looking security guards. There was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh yeah, it turns out he needs to go to Italy. So oh, only plop on a plane and go to Italy. Um so they arrive there and they eat quite possibly the biggest pole of fucking pasta I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. I've got that written down as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a mama make uh, it's the biggest spaghetti. <laughs> uh I can't remember my note, but it was uh yeah, ever seen so much spaghetti, it was fucking huge that bowl, wasn't it? <laughs> And it's funny, as I was thinking that, uh, Michael Williams says, Oh, Emily, have you ever seen such a large bowl of spaghetti? <laughs> I mean, it's a bit unnecessary if you think about it. You know, there's starving children in Africa and yeah, well, yeah. Oh, that's going to go to waste. So, it is, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's a tiny little thing. She would, you know, she'd only had a couple of mouthfuls of that, I bet. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of get the feeling that, um, that from, from, this, from the kind of what they're going for from the film, that he could easily, um, I, I could easily picture it being set in like the south of, uh, you know, like uh, the bayous and that kind of thing. It's yeah, kind of got totally. that, um, you know, you kind it, of expect witch doctors and, and, and the like to be involved in all this because, you know, as, as soon as um, Michael starts going up to do his documentary, he meets up with um, Evelyn, uh, no, Joanna. Um, uh, Joanna, kind of like, yeah, she's yeah. his uh, production or producer, isn't uh, yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. The, the floozy of the and office. it's um, it's Joanna Cassidy who was um, was of course in Blade Runner. She was one of the replicants in Blade Runner. Oh, the snake woman. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Right. I, 
where I knew it from. I don't know why I didn't bloody just Google it. So, yeah, Snake That's Woman. So, um, IMDB, baby. Yeah, oh, I've got multiple <laughs> pages open. I'm, I'm trying to do this as I go along. I'm trying to remember the bloody film, but it's one of those. It's, you, you're taking notes about a film and you're trying to remember it at the same time, and I'm trying to go off notes while I remember it, so blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, no, so, you're doing fine, James. You're doing fine. Yeah, it's all yeah, good. Yeah. So, um, Michael ends up coming across this painting, uh, which he is instantly uh, transfixed by. Uh, it depicts... Uh, a burning, uh, a, a, a burning woman falling from the sky. So he's obviously got some, you know, uh, memories of his wife, and it also represents a child who's been chased by a mob. Oh, wonder where this ties into. Yeah, I have so, a note that says uh, when he finds the painting, it all goes a bit Miami bass. I don't know whether it was the speaker set up on my television, but it just it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, uh, quite haunting. A quite haunting moment. But sorry, carry on. No, 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 it's all good. Um, I mean, again, all I get from this is a don't look now vibe. It's fuck all like The Exorcist, to be honest. It's absolutely nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, I think, totally. I think that was just used as a selling point to try and get the it's film It's almost a bit sort of Omen-esque in places as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Um, so, Michael finds this painting, instantly transfixed by this painting, and he obviously wants to know more about it. Um, and there's, there's a scene where... The, in the same room as the, as the painting, and they're talking about some ectoplasm on a statue. Um, you know, when they finally get the film crew into the room to film the painting, uh, and they're talking about this ectoplasm on the statue, and you know, the whole mess could have been solved instantly because you know what to call when <laughs> ectoplasm is involved in anything. Yeah, yeah, but it would it would have been a ten minute film then, wouldn't it? Yeah, might have been a bit more entertaining to be honest. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like the idea as well of this, the kind of medallion. You almost get the feeling that it's being replaced or returned to its place of origin. Um, I, I, I kind of like the idea of demonic nomenclature that has a kind of calling to get back to its rightful place, if you will. If if, if that, <laughs> that was terrible, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but I, I, yeah, so, you know, obviously, uh, Emily's having these uh these these visions of of this this murder that happened um and it's obviously to do with this time and place where she is now so the medallion obviously ties into that that, that you know the visions are getting stronger and stronger and stronger um so michael ends up going seeing almost like a clairvoyant historian if you will <laughs> um yeah uh, who you know don't don't go any further, don't tread any further, don't go near this painting, blah de blah blah And you'd kind of think after multiple times that Michael had kind of learned his lesson, that his daughter's acting a bit weird as well, so, you know, it might be something to do with where you are, the painting or the medallion maybe, but no, he doesn't seem to click on, so he fucks off and makes his bloody documentary regardless. doesn't actually seem like that of an interesting documentary, to be honest. It uh, seems like one of those really dull things you catch on BBC4 at like three in the morning. And, yeah, um, open yeah. university. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, it, it's got to be like an hour into the, into the film before anything of note really starts to happen, bar the visions. Um... Uh, obviously Michael's sensing that he's not really treating his daughter as well as he should because he keeps on going off and on and off and on. 
uh, on the documentary set. So they decide to go on a day out in the woods. Yeah, let's go for a walk in the woods. Uh, where? They play a little bit of, uh, is it croquet? Yeah. Call it croquet? Like, like golf. Um, yes, um, he does. Animal. Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't pass in uh, in a in a small country garden in England. It'd be booted Absolutely out. Absolutely not. No more pims for you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they decide to play a game of hide and seek, um, of which uh, things start to turn a little bit nasty. Um, where Jill is pushed off a cliff with a croquet stick. Yeah, it's a nice shot, isn't it? Because you just see the end of the stick just nudge her off the cliff from just, the like, stick's point of view. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, that scene while she's falling, that effect is fucking amazing. <laughs> it's like she's led on the floor and then, and she's waving her arms and screaming and they just superimpose that over, you know, a drop off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was he great. Probably, he probably could have taken some tips from Fulci for the dummy fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was but, a poor dummy in the waterfall, wasn't it? Yeah. But, but with that death, you kind of get the feeling that uh, Emily's protector... If you will, you know, she, she mentioned that she'd die for the child, even though she may be in love with the, with the, with her father, that it's, it's all about Emily for her. Um, and, uh, yeah, you kind of get the feeling that now she's dead, all hell's gonna break loose, that there's no one really in, standing in the way of her and all these visions and all what may come of them. Um, so yeah, her protector dies and then you've kind of got an hour in and I still didn't really have a lot of idea what was going on. It just seems to be, <laughs> Uh, a lot of beautifully composed shots with very haunting music. Um, like I said, the, the cinematography in this film is like almost flawless. Um, it's, it's one of the best that I've, I've seen in like Italian genre film. But it's interesting. I, I think it is better than the film actually deserves. Oh yeah, totally, you know? totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the supernatural element seems to be made up of visions and dreams. None of it really seems to get pieced together at all. It just. Yeah, refers back to this painting all the time. Um, it's all it's all fairly straightforward, isn't it? I mean, after the first ten fifteen minutes, you can pretty much see where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, but for, from the point of a narrative throughout the film, you kind of you kind of expect someone to sit them down and just kind of put things together, but it never really does. No, uh, no. Um, you know, even when the kind of threadbare plots explained. Um, Michael still doesn't seem bothered. Um, he's like, oh, right, okay. And then feels that he should do something about it. Um, but then he so, doesn't, really. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, he's pretty I mean, ineffectual, isn't he? You know, uh, the, the the daughter, Emily, um, starts being a bit of a tinker um, and obviously feels threatened by um, by Joanna's presence and decides to try and burn her alive. Um so he, you know, she obviously may have previous with this little uh, arsonist trick she pulls. Who knows? I got to uh, say that that fire she sets it wasn't very impressive. It was a pretty nah. small fire, and I think Joanna was she was freaking out. But you know, the, the fact that uh, Michael comes in and puts out the fire by throwing a potted plant at it. <laughs> you know, well. <laughs> I don't think it was uh, you know uh, it was uh, an inferno or anything. You know, but yeah, but I mean. You know this, this. This this kind of harks back to uh, is has the medallion taken over um, his daughter? Is is you know is it is it kind of possessing her to to behave like this to you know behave unrationally etc. Um, and 
it, it doesn't really have that much of a possession feel about the film. Maybe that's kind of where the Exorcist comparisons come from, that is she possessed? Is she? I, I don't really know. I, I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah, she is just she... acts a bit crazy sometimes, but yeah, I, I don't yeah, know totally. if I, you know, she's not floating or turning her head backwards mm. or anything, is she? She's just uh, having nightmares and screaming. So, you know, the film kind of plods along again, looks really good, sounds really good. And then the kind of uh, red herring is revealed that uh, it was his daughter who actually killed his wife, um, <gasps> Gasparra. Um, oh, no. Spoiler alert. People, spoiler alert. people aren't going to yeah, have yeah. to watch this now, so um, lucky them. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, the the uh, kid is pretty much an arsonist with parent issues. That's, <laughs> that's what I took from the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck all that supernatural crap. It was just, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, Emily's getting drawn into you know this, this painting with these powers, um, and loads of shit goes down. Uh, Michael thinks he should do something with it, uh, and I can't even remember how the film ends. How unprofessional is that? It's it uh, it's a fairly bleak ending, and I'm going to spoil oh, it now. Yeah, in that. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, the night child Emily has this uh, kind of double edged sword, dagger yeah. type thing, and her, her, her dad Michael runs in to grab her and hug her, and he does grab her and hug her, and double edged sword goes in both of them, and boom, that's it. That's all she wrote. Yeah, well, both I mean, dead. Yeah. What a dick! She killed her mum and her dad. Yeah, and herself. Yeah. Just so the so the evil could not uh, go any further, I guess. I don't know bit rubbish the evil though if you think about it it was it the evil wasn't really that evil was it no nah, not really i mean if it's harking back to the fact that you know in some previous life this murderous uh did something bad it doesn't really elaborate on really what it is that she did uh, yeah yeah is, is it implying that you know she might have killed someone by fire as well as what Emily did, um, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it was yeah, it, it's just it's all a bit muddled and unclear, isn't it? So, I mean, I, I, I wonder if that was because we both watched the uh, the English dub. I wonder if things would have actually been a little more, a little clearer. Yeah, maybe the Italian language. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, I, I kind of get the feeling that this film's had an influence on quite a few modern films as well. Um, uh, the, the one thing that comes to mind is uh, Barbarian Sound Studio, where again. It looks superb and it sounds superb, but the plot just doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't do an awful lot of stuff. And when it ends, you kind of sat there scratching your head thinking, uh, really? Okay, like, yeah. It could have been so good. Like, I get the feeling that this could have been so good. Um, yeah. I don't know, with a bit more thought put into it, maybe. Maybe a better script or just an idea that if you're going to have this evil or this, you know, this kind of possession through the medallion that you want to elaborate on it a bit more and, and, and no, give it, give it some worth almost. It, um, it seemed to hit all the, the right kind of beats for this sort of movie, but it did it in a fairly half-assed kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And it, just, it felt a bit lazy, really, didn't it? Well, I mean, I don't think Dalamano's a, a lazy director. Oh, no, uh, no. Um, maybe it was just more, more the script, I guess, yeah. than the... Uh, yeah, maybe this, maybe this kind of film just wasn't his calling. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, my well, echoing, can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, I'm hearing a bit of an echo here. Maybe I should uh, turn my mic down a bit. Oh, that's all right. No, it's all right. Carry on. Um, 
excuse me, I just took a bite of the burger. Um, Boiger. Boiger. It's halloumi. Oh, it's so good. Oh, you cheese-eating motherfucker. <laughs> Clogging up the arteries. See, you uh, are the life this week. Yeah. I've not done any farting or burping yet, though. I'm a bit disappointed. Yeah, I've been drinking fizzy water. I'm trying for, you know, to uh, to get a burp up and going, but it's just, it's not happening yet. So uh, I've got a kind of Dr. Pepper by the side of me. I'm oh, sure well, you'll be fine. In a minute. Yeah, um, so, yeah, like I said, um, I, I have... Dalamano for me, uh, should be held up there with your kind of Martino's uh, and your lenses for, like, true kind of genre Italian cinema. I just kind of get the feeling that this was a bit of a... I don't know, a, a missed opportunity, if you will. He obviously kind of, obviously with Italian directors, they, they kind of cross genres quite a lot, and they, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll do Jello one day, sci-fi the next, this kind of thing. And he was obviously, you know, just plying his trade. But I'd, yeah, maybe he just you know, wasn't feeling it, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like, I don't know, maybe a different day, maybe a different time. I'd, I'd really enjoy this, but for the most part, it didn't really do an awful lot for me, to be honest. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of agree. There were a few things that made me uh, made me kind of laugh, um, and there were. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, although, of course, we're on the wrong podcast for this, but I'm surprised that you missed the. Uh, well, you didn't mention the J and B sightings. No, I said no. I was going to get to it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. There was quite a few as well. <laughs> there was. Uh, there's four, and I've got them time stamped as well. I know where <laughs> everyone was. I actually squealed when I saw the first one. <laughs> yes. Good stuff. Uh, but, um, well, you know, we all drink whiskey. It's all good. Yeah. And are you? Uh, I mean, I've got a couple of things I, I wanted to mention. If, if that's cool. If uh, yeah, I mean, is I'm that pretty, right? I'm pretty much done with my notes. Yeah. I'll go ahead. Um. Okay. Uh. Yeah. The BBC TV Centre uh, was good. Um. I liked. Uh, enjoyed seeing that. And there's a line a bit later in the film. Um, when the, uh, the sort of, uh, psychic historian type woman he goes to visit, she tells him to, um, stop hunting the devil. Uh, mm. and he says, I'm not hunting for the devil, I'm working for the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, that made me laugh out loud. That was pretty good. Um, I noticed that, um, he didn't seem to change his clothes much. He had that same, like, beige roll neck sweater on pretty much the whole film although uh, having said that he's wearing a uh, right near the start I'll make a note of this jeez um, he's got an unbelievable pullover on that looks like someone's made out of a picnic blanket <laughs> um, and when they're sort of on the plane to Italy at the start he's wearing that so that, that was pretty special but after that he just stuck with the beige roll neck and it's a bit boring really <laughs> um, where are we uh, yeah Johnson really takes off his beige roll neck sweater um, yeah, the, uh, well, actually, maybe that is all I wanted to say. Uh, there's another good line in there where, um, he says, uh, no, actually, I think Joanna says this, Joanna Cassidy. She says, uh, creatures with cloven feet are notoriously sexy, which, um, I, that's something I didn't know, but, um, I do now, I guess. <laughs> um, and do you know what? I'm looking at my notes and there isn't, ah, no, one other thing, one other thing. Now, there's a scene where, um, when uh, Emily is in uh, her bedroom and she's freaking out a bit and her nanny comes in to see her, uh, Jill, um, there's a scene where uh, Jill is smoking a cigarette and right next to her on a wall, there's a picture of a dog. It's like a big Great Dane or something. And it's about the, it's the, of the dog's face and it's about the same size as her face. 
So you've got like this dog and then this woman <laughs> next to it smoking and uh, it looked really good. <laughs> I might try and get a screen grab of that and post yeah. it yeah, on the Facebook group. Uh, that was sweet. That was pretty good. Um, but yeah, other than that, four J&B sightings. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, I think. Um, interesting that uh, Nicoletta Elmi, who played uh, Emily, the child... Um, she was the go-to girl for uh, Italian horror movies in the 70s, it seems. She's in Bay of Blood. Yeah, I remember from Bay of Blood. Yeah, she's in Deep Red. Uh, who's she in Deep Red? Uh, I think she's a child in one of the flashback scenes. Ah, uh, right, okay. Uh, who saw her die? Which is... Is that the one we, we mentioned earlier? That was um, De La Mano as well, wasn't it? Who saw her die? Is that oh, Aldo? Ah, um, oh, okay. Aldo uh, Laddie, is it, or something like that? Yeah, Al, Aldo Lado. Oh yeah, Aldo Lado. Aldi, the cheap supermarket. Aldi. <laughs> he did. Uh, did he do Shot Night the Glass Dolls as well? Maybe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think it's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, and she's also in uh, Flesh for Frankenstein. It seems. Oh, uh, yeah. And apparently, she grew up. Uh, she's in Demons as well. Nineteen eighty-five. Uh, and I believe after that, she uh, went on and trained, and she is now a doctor. Oh, wow. She's kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, demons, and she, oh, she's been in some TV, Italian TV stuff. But it seems like in uh, 88, she gave up the acting and um, decided to be a doctor, so there you go. <laughs> uh, Richard Johnson, who plays uh, Michael Williams, a father, he's been in a, a ton of shit as well. He's in um, Sergio Martino's Island of the Fishmen. <laughs> Do you know what? I was bidding on that on eBay recently, and oh, it cost really? like nineteen pound. I was like, "Yeah, I don't need this film that much. <laughs> I'll let it go." There are other ways of uh, finding such things. There are, as, as we, saying. as uh, the special place. Yes, the special, lovely, magical pixie fairy dust place. Uh, Richard Johnson is also in Zombie Flesh Eaters. Um, yes, he is. Yep. He's in uh, The Devil Within, which was also uh, known as Beyond the Door. And interestingly, The Night Child was released as Beyond the Door 2 in some territories, I believe. So, a little connection there. Uh, he's also in The Comeback, which is a British Pete Walker movie, uh, which All also right. starred crooner Jack Jones. Um, and interestingly as well, both Richard Johnson and Joanna Cassidy uh, were in episodes of Murder, She Wrote. So, how about that? They've both done shitloads of TV between them. It seems like a lot of people who... Um, cropped up in exploitation stuff in the 70s, spent most of their career doing TV, uh, yeah, well. with uh, Abby as well, which we'll, we'll get to uh, shortly. But yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, there you go. I think that's all I wanted to mention, actually. God bless uh, IMDB. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to give this a, a rating? Ooh. No, you know, it was okay. I didn't, uh, I didn't hate it. I kind of enjoyed it whilst watching it. You know, it wasn't one of those films where you're watching it and looking at your watch and thinking, oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, totally. Having said that, I probably wouldn't go back to it in a hurry. No. Um, I'd probably maybe give it a, I don't know, five out of ten. Hmm. Well, um, because I'm biased with Italian cinema, sure. I usually give things a five on default. So I'm, I'm going to go a six on this, primarily just because of... Like it really, really does look stunning. And yeah, absolutely. The soundtrack is absolutely superb, and you know, sometimes in films for me that's half the battle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the script is really weak. I mean, 
like I said, this is one of those films that's caught my eye now for a number of years, and um, I've, I've always wanted to check it out. Um, I remember seeing like grainy VHS yeah, rips yeah. And, and things like that. I was like, nah, I don't know if I want to do this, and uh, it was only a couple of. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was out shopping in, in in FOP, and it was there for a five. Arrow, yeah, fuck it, I'll buy it. And, do uh, it, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I am going to watch some of the extras on it because it, it might give me a, maybe a better understanding. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go six. Um, okay, yeah. I think that's that's pretty good. That's yeah, fair. A solid six. Um, yeah. Like I said, Dalamano should be talked about more, in my opinion. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he always seems to be left out. Again, whenever people talk about um, Italian genre directors, it's, it's the usual kind of big hitters, and he never seems to get mentioned, maybe because he kind of, you know, dipped out here and there. Um, Venus and Furs is always on the horror channel, and I always keep on meaning to watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd, I've, I've been dying to get back and revisit What Have They Done To Your Daughters, because it's been years since I first watched that. So, you know... I, I love his style. Um, his, his, his eye for you know a shot is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, this uh, this this was average. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I wonder. I, um, I wonder if he uh, if he hadn't died when he did, and he carried on making movies, even if his subsequent films hadn't been great. I wonder if he'd just have been a bit more visible now, and people would be more aware of his seventies stuff. Yeah, maybe. But I guess we'll never know. But um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, it, you know, it was it was good to watch. It's uh, it's another one ticked off the list at least. So. Yeah, yeah, and so, uh, you know, at least all you people out there in Listenerland, uh, you know, we uh, we took the bullet for you. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. Yeah, just We've, you know, uh, yeah. ginger kids and and pasta and all that shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fuck a lot of them. So we're gonna take another little break, uh, and we're gonna come back and do Abby motherfucker. <laughs> Hello, this is Kenny B. This is Tom KW. And we are two of the hosts from the Podcast on Fire Network. You want Asian cinema in a podcast? Well, we got the solution for you. Because at the Podcast on Fire Network, there's seven plus shows for you to choose from. You want Hong Kong action cinema and audio commentaries? We got that. You want dirty Hong Kong cinema? We got that. You want the eternal question, what's Korean cinema answer? We'll answer that. The flagship show Podcast on Fire covers classic Hong Kong cinema. Everything from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, John Woo and Jet Li. Featuring in-depth discussions with an aura of fun. This is your primary stop in the podcast world for classic Hong Kong cinema. So join me, Kenny B and Tom KW and a cast of thousands at podcastonfire.com. Also available on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio and Come chat with us on the Podcast on Fire Network Facebook group and on Twitter at Podcast on Fire. Podcast on Fire Network. It's Asian cinema in a podcast.
we are back. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Lawrence, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the next film is Abby from 1974, also known as Abby. <laughs> Bernie, Abby. take the lead. Uh, okay, uh, well, the, uh, let's have a look at the, uh, the plot summary here. Um, dumbass slow computer. Here we go. A, uh, a, possess- a possession film about a marriage counsellor who becomes possessed by a demon of sexuality when her father-in-law, an exorcist, freed it whilst in Africa. That's, uh, that's a long sentence. That really runs on and doesn't scan very well, does it? There you go. Uh, he returns home along with his son and a policeman to perform an African exorcism on her. So, uh, Blythe379 at cs.com. Um, you suck. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, okay, Abby, 1974, uh, directed by William Girdler. Oh, Big William, yeah. Yeah, Bill, well, Big Willie, yeah, yeah. Um, who made, he, well, he died, uh, unfortunately, fairly young. He died in a helicopter accident at the age of 30. Um, but he made some really good 70s exploitation movies. He made um, Asylum of Satan, 72, Three on a Meat Hook, which was... Uh, uh, I know Three on a Meat Hook. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Uh, he did Abby, uh, Sheba Baby, 1975. Uh, Grizzly, have you ever seen Grizzly? No, I've heard of The Manitou, though. Oh, I was, I was going to... Yeah, that, The Manitou was his last film. Um, Grizzly's great. It's a kind of Jules rip-off, but with a, uh, a bear... <laughs> Lots of good uh, 70s hiking fashions in that one. Uh, but yeah, have you ever seen The Man or Two? Nope. Oh, man. I know of it. You've got to check it out, James. It is fucking wild. <laughs> really good. It's, um, oh, fuck. Well, Tony Curtis is a fake psychic who gets involved uh, with this chick who grows a like Native American midget demon out of this war on her back. Um, and then it gets all like fucking crazy and cosmic and at the end they're all like floating through another dimension on the hospital bed shooting laser beams out of their eyes at each other I like lasers so I'm yeah you'll love it James yeah you've got to check it out man and the crazy thing is it's a uh, I think it was a big studio movie not big studio but it was a studio movie it wasn't an independent Mm. and they obviously threw a lot of money at it Um, but yeah just uh, crazy yeah definitely check that one out Um, but yeah anyway uh, yeah, so Abby, we've got uh, William Marshall, uh, who was Blackula, of course, um, and he did uh, some voices on Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, the cartoon, apparently. Uh, Terry Carter's in this, who was in Foxy Brown and also Brother on the Run, which uh, I've never seen, but sounds pretty good. Uh, Austin Stoker, can you tell me what Austin Stoker was in? No. I'll give you a clue. Ready? Go on. Down, no, 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 no. Down oh, really? Very nice. You haven't got a clue what it is, have you? Let's get from New York. No, Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Close yeah. enough. All right, I'm quitting all Facebook groups now. I'm yeah, done. fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're out of the club, man. Uh, also, we got Carol Speed, who was in um, The Mac, obviously. Of which is a good I know one. who Austin Stoker is now, for crying out loud. Yeah. He's straight to me. Ugh. Austin Stoker. He's got some. He wears some nice clothes in this, and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, yeah, Carol Speed, who was in the Mac uh, Disco Godfather, Rudy Ray Moore, and uh, the Big Bird Cage, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Juanita Moore, who plays um, Abby's mother. Uh, she's in the Mac as well. 
She was also in my, to get a little highbrow here, she was in my favourite Douglas Sirk movie, Imitation of Life. Yeah, um, Which is fantastic. Have you seen any Sirk? Uh, you should. You should remedy it if you haven't. No, I don't think so. Okay, but yeah, that, that's a good one. Imitation of Life, great. Uh, yeah, but uh, Abby, yeah, so uh, AIP movie, you know what you're going to get with this kind of thing. The music yep. kicks in, and it's uh, it sounded a bit like the Wonder Woman theme tune to me. But, Do you um, know what? Yeah, it hardly invokes the feeling of a horror film. No, it doesn't, <laughs> Let alone does a it? Possession film. Not at all, no. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty goddamn funky, Yeah, is what it was. Um, and it starts with uh, William Marshall. Um, what was the name of his character? Uh, I don't know, he's like old priest dude type thing. Uh, yeah, I've, I've just noted him down as a pimp. Uh, a, a pimp, yeah, pimp daddy. Pimp daddy pimp Bishop Garnet Williams. Yep. Um, he's talking with a, a bunch of students. Uh, he's, well, obviously, he's, he's uh, a bishop. Uh, so he's talking with his uh, students, and he's talking about... Uh, he's going over to uh, Nigeria... Uh, to do a uh, some kind of um, archaeology type work, and uh, this sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, where have I seen yeah. this before? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, they give him um, as a leaving present. They give him this fucking giant blingy <laughs> like <laughs> silver cross. This pimp cross. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like a Flavor Flav's uh, clock, you know. But it's a giant cross. Yeah. So um, so he puts that on. Off he goes to uh, Nigeria. And he's there with a bunch of other dudes in what seems to be some kind of cave. He's wearing a nice safari jacket in there. Uh, oh, we're, in Ni- we're in Nigeria now. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I leaped ahead to Nigeria. <laughs> um, and uh, he finds a, uh, a ceremonial Eshu. Uh, is it Eshu? Eshu is the name of this uh, yeah, Eshu, this, this kind of African religion. He finds a ceremonial vessel and um, has uh, a demon with an erect penis carved onto it. He just kind of, easy archaeological dig, really. He just walked into a cave and found picked, it. Yeah, he picked it up, didn't he? He <laughs> was just like, oh, there. you sure? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Again, this is ringing some bells, but um, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, he opens it, and uh, he really shouldn't have done that, man, because um, all this kind of dust blows out of it, and, uh, you know, things start going a bit crazy, shaky cam and stuff, and, um, you know, he's, he's unleashed something that he shouldn't have, it seems. So anyway, we, we cut back to America, um, and we have uh, Abby moving into a new house with her husband, uh, who is uh, Blackula's son, uh, and he's also, uh, he's a reverend, he's not a bishop, he's a reverend, so he's uh, working he's his way up the ladder, you know, and uh, so yeah, they're moving into a, a new house, and um, he's got this really sweet kind of uh, leather patchwork waistcoat on, did you notice that? Do you know what... I've, I've watched this off YouTube. So did on, I. Yeah, it's fucking on, terrible print, isn't it? On my big telly. Oh. Um, so yeah, it was fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> just a sea of mush. I couldn't make out an awful lot, if I'm being honest. Uh, it, it was just something to look at. Yeah. I watched it on YouTube in just the, the small little window because it actually looked a little clearer in that than full screen. Same, I, I finished off watching it on my phone and I should have started it. Yeah, it would have looked better. <laughs> cool. Anyway, uh, you know, they're all moved into the house and um, Abby, uh, she's getting in the shower and she's behind the shower curtain and uh, she was enjoying it. She was licking her lips and, it, you know, I wrote uh, sensual down in my notes here. Hang um, on, I've, I've got to bring something up. Oh yeah, please do. Did the spirit, like, rob the bishop's wallet to find out where he lived? How the <laughs> fuck did he make it? 
from Nigeria to Louisville. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> that's another off. thing we uh, we didn't mention. It, this is uh, filmed in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, Sammy's uh, hometown, I believe. Well, actually, it's kind of weird going back to the night child. How we were saying it could you could see it being set in this kind of yeah, totally. Yeah, we do a film that is. Ooh, there you go. Mm. So uh, yeah, but no, I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know. Demons have some kind of. Uh, I don't know, cheap airway, air, air travel thing just, going on. He jumps on his carry-on luggage. Yeah. <laughs> he made it back somehow anyway. And how, how did he know, you know, to go and find Abby as well? Yeah, definitely, definitely found know. his address. Yeah, yeah they, they, they didn't think about this, did they? Yeah, yellow pages. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that you know, she's having a shower and then you don't kind of see anything. You see her silhouette through the shower curtain. Uh, and this giant kind of, I mean, it looked like a big mound of earth or something just kind of moves toward her. Mm. Do you know, it's like, what the fuck was that all about? Well, it's, it's clearly been, uh, you know, it's been pent up for quite a long time, so it's why it's get its fuck on. Yeah, well, yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, and, you know, then she's down in the basement. Uh, she's doing a bit of, uh, she's doing a bit of like, laundry or something, I don't know. And then uh, it all gets a bit like poltergeisty, and things start flying around the basement and shit. Um, so yeah, there you go. She's uh, then she's at this. I, I guess it's some kind of like soup kitchen or something. Mm. Some uh, you know church uh, program for feeding the you know kind of homeless bums and stuff. Um, and Abby is uh, and her mother uh, are there, and they're kind of cutting up these uh, these chickens. Uh, and again, Abby, she's really getting into this. Did you notice? She was like licking her lips and she mm. was kind of dribbling a bit. And Yeah, it's a good job there's no watermelon out of sight. Otherwise, we could cool. question the film's integrity. <laughs> well, do you know, I would, uh, that, that um, brings up something which I will mention a little bit later. Okay. Uh, it brings up a, a fried chicken issue I have with this movie. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But I, um, I, did, I did notice that after that kind of like initial shower scene, it, it does kind of gather a bit of a serious tone. Uh, you know... It, the, yeah. the initial like twenty minutes setup, it's a bit stupid and it's a bit silly. Yeah. But credit to the film that it does kind of try and be serious. I mean, you know, you know, it is playing on the Exorcist, not like repossessed or anything like that. Yeah, no, it's, absolutely. It's trying yeah. to be a serious film, so yeah. I mean, you know, sorry, as as you were saying about cutting up the chicken and stuff. Well, she uh, she's cutting up the chicken and um, she decides to cut her arm as well. She does a long cut down her forearm. And, uh, you know, what I was thinking at that point was that, um, you know, she hasn't washed that knife, and so she was cutting up that chicken, you know, and she cuts herself. You can get salmonella or food poisoning. Yeah. Like, can't you? Dirty. I mean, health yeah. and safety. Mm. No, absolutely. Health and safety, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so, yeah, you know, she kind of carries on doing her um, regular kind of church wifey stuff. She's uh, She's singing in the choir. She's not a great singer. She does a bit of a solo, and she's um, she reminds me of one of those singers who can't sing very well, but really goes for it a bit too much. That you see on like you know America's Got Talent or whatever. I could have done with more hands in the sky. Oh Lord! Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. There wasn't quite enough of that. They were all no. stood around looking a bit uncomfortable, really, weren't they? Yeah. Um. So yeah, and uh, when uh, her husband starts preaching, um. She uh, develops this really, really rough, bad cough, actually. Like she's been smoking Rothmans or something. Um, <laughs> Marlboro Reds. Yo, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, filterless camels. Um, yeah, so she gets ushered out, and uh, this kind of church dude who's hanging around, she uh, she throws him out of the door, 
like literally threw a door out into like the garden and then she like jumps on him and starts dribbling on him, you know? Did you notice though that no one was really that bothered that she just picked someone up and threw yeah. him through a door? <laughs> yeah. I'd be a bit really. worried if uh, if my wife just all of a sudden started picking people up and throwing them around. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, I mean you know, she does it with me sometimes, but... Um, <laughs> hey, I what happens know. in the bedroom stays in well, the bedroom, brother. Not even like that, dude, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I made her angry, uh, you know. But hey, let's not go there. Uh, there's, there's a great scene a little bit again she's been acting all kind of weird and speaking in uh, she gets this kind of low grumbly James Earl Jones voice um, but you know it cuts to the next scene and she's at home in bed and uh, you know her husband comes in and he's got this really really short towel well he's obviously just come out of the shower and it's like it's not even a towel it's a flannel he's just got wrapped around him um, and he, he's trying to, you know, he's kind of like trying to seduce her, and he's like a man of God, and he's going to lay with his, lay down with his woman, and you know, do some of God's business or whatever. Uh, and she says, uh, "I'm not your hoe," which I like, you know, because <laughs> she says "hoe." I like that because you know it's a black exploitation film. Uh, yeah. So and you know, obviously he's kind of like, hmm, something's not right here. Uh, she's a marriage guidance counselor as well. She does a little bit of this. <laughs> A great scene <laughs> where she's um, she's talking to this couple, um, and uh, you know she starts going a little bit too far, and she's uh, she's saying to this woman in her uh, James Earl Jones voice, "Well, you know, have you tried him out yet? Have you tried him on for size? You know, I'm going to take him upstairs and fuck <laughs> him right now." And uh, everyone's kind of freaked out by this because you, you don't expect that from marriage guidance, particularly in a Christian girl. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Um, I got to be honest. I, I find this quite um, not uncomfortable or scary, but it was certainly. I think that, you know they kind of achieved what they were going for. That when she is getting kind of all foul mouthed and saying motherfucker and uh, you want to fuck me and all this kind of thing, because she's done a good job of being such a prim and proper Christian girl up to this point. You know, you're really feeling fuck. You know, something's wrong here. This is not good. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, totally. Um, yeah. There was that. There was kind of like. Um like a burnout effect after each possession where it kind of you know, how can I explain it it's just like some white burnout effect so you know it's kind of yeah, almost I know implies, what you mean. yes yeah almost yeah. implied that you know she's she's kind of done for now if you it's kind of it was like a fade to white almost wasn't it yeah, yeah yeah and you get you get flashes of her with like this really sort of wild crazy green makeup and large eyebrows and like nappy hair and stuff yeah so um yeah um well, we okay. Uh, a church organist comes over to visit her because obviously, you know, she's uh, she's poorly, um, or well, possessed poorly. You, you decide. Um, and uh, she kind of uh, Abby like slaps this uh, church organist around a bit. She's like this delicate old woman, and Abby's just like, "Oh, you fucking bitch!" And uh, your husband only fucked you once, and then left you as a shriveled up old shrimp <laughs> and stuff. And uh, just you fucking, uh, she fucking. Oh, sorry, I'm swearing. Jeez. Uh, she throws her like around the bedroom, and uh, you know, again, it goes all goes all poltergeisty with lamps flying around and shit. And uh, you know, this poor church organist, she she has a heart attack, she dies. Oh, poor church organist. Yeah, and uh, you know, her husband, the uh, Reverend Emmett Williams, comes running up the stairs because he hears this, and he's got a really sweet sort of button-up tan leather bomber jacket on. <laughs> He's got over his kind of like you know his his uh, vicar's you know collar. <laughs> uh, it's quite a good look, man. He's quite a hip-looking priest, I've got to say. Um, 
so anyway, uh, you know, things carry on like this. Uh, her husband contacts uh, Blackula and says, um, things aren't going good here, Dad. I think uh, you need to come back because this is something uh, you might need to deal with. Um, and did you notice as well that phone he's got in Nigeria it, it's really sort of antique looking it looks like it came from the 18th not 18th century but you know early 19th century or something early 20th century because phones weren't around in the 19th century were they no they were not no I'm a doofus um, but yeah it was a nice old looking uh, old phone you know that's quite nice that uh, they have phones like that in Nigeria uh, Abby goes into hospital for some tests and she gets, uh, I guess it's like an X-ray, but it looks like a, a fucking NASA space launch, doesn't it? <laughs> There's like huge panels of buttons and dials and stuff, and this weird centrifugal camera thing that's like whirling around her. Um, yeah, it, you know, it was it was pretty crazy. It's uh, not like it is today where you just like press a button and. Yes, and you you have you have a devil inside you. Yes, you yes. are possessed. Yes. I'm sorry to tell you that um, you had the devil in you. <laughs> you but the, the, actually, going back, it's not actually the devil, is it? It's like well, no, it's some... it's an African, uh, it's an African sex demon, isn't it? Basically, yeah, it's like some fucking tinker wind monster or something. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, what's that thing with wind? It's just like whoosh, when she starts yeah. spinning well, around with her um, arms. Yeah, I was going to mention actually. There's uh, the actual soundtrack. It, it's quite effective because he uses there's the old um, uh, sort of weird organ stab or something like that but there's a lot of um, kind of strange almost electronic noise as opposed to just music and you know the kind of wind sound effects and so on and um, it's a little sort of you know it's effective it's disorienting and it's creepy and it's I think it works yeah, quite well if I'm being honest like obviously with the quality of the film that we watched I didn't really <laughs> get a lot of the <laughs> the, the soundtrack beats bar, yeah. um, you know, the actual main audible, you yeah. know, driving yeah. music oh, and all okay. that crap. Uh, Sorry not to derail your uh, No, no, not at all. It's all written down in front of me, man. I'm all good. So, uh, anyway, Abby, um, she, uh, well, she doesn't decide. Her husband decides that she should stay in hospital for the weekend and uh, relax. Uh, but, of course, she doesn't. She storms at a hospital. Um, and she, as she's, um, she puts her clothes on, obviously, and she's kind of walking down the hallway, and she's just knocking everybody out of the way. Did you see there's that sort of tall, long-haired, hippie-looking dude on a pair of crutches? <laughs> yeah. He just totally, like, <laughs> throws him against the wall. That was pretty awesome. So, um, she heads back to, um, her house, and just as her father-in-law shows up, uh, and she gets all, uh, kind of sexy, and she sort of comes, comes on to him a little bit, which is... Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit creepy. She was kind of like grabbing his thigh and stuff, and you know, hey, what you got going on there, Blackie Lane? You know, um, and of course, you know, he's having none of it, obviously. Um, and so Abby, she kind of freaks out, and the, the whole poltergeist thing goes on again, and the house gets all smashed up and shit. Uh, and she legs it, and uh, leaving <laughs> Blackula and uh, you know her husband there under the wreckage. Um, at this point. Um, her husband, uh, Emmett, runs out and he, he kind of carjacks this poor woman driving past. It's just really confused, the poor little bugger. Yeah, like, yeah. Why well, are you doing this? <laughs> why? <laughs> Which was, uh, that was pretty good. It was a bit Grand Theft Auto, that bit, wasn't it? Yeah, could have at least punched her. Yeah, yeah, we well, could have killed her and uh, taken all her money, couldn't he? Run over a few times. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would have done. <laughs> um, 
at this point, Austin Stoker, who, who uh, I should point out, is the, he's a detective uh, on the case. And he's also, um, I think he's Abby's brother, isn't he? Do you know what? I didn't actually pick up what he did or who he was, to be honest. He was just there. I've got a feeling he is her brother because uh, right, right. exorcism a bit later on, uh, I think it, it's kind of mentioned then. Ah, but, right, okay, cool. But he shows up in this amazing, it's kind of like a suede jacket with these big leather pockets on it. Really big <laughs> collars. Uh, and he's got this awesome pair of like red flared slacks on as well. Um, so yeah, he was looking sharp, he was looking really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, Austin and Emmett go out, uh, I used to know a guy called Austin, actually, and, um, there's a bit of a digression here, and, uh, he had a brother who, uh, they were sort of older guys, they were probably, uh, in their sort of 50s, 60s, and they, they weren't quite twins, but they looked alike, um, and they were weird, very short, bald, strange-looking fellows, uh, and they owned a garage, which was fairly near to where I lived at the time. Um, so Austin lived down the road from me and his brother was called Nimmy <laughs> and Nimmy used to run the garage and uh, me and my mate John would go up there and uh, we would rent movies and he'd give us these pithy little sort of one-liner comments about whatever movies we were ra- uh, renting we got uh, the uh, director's cut of Blade Runner when that first came out it shows how long ago it was on VHS <laughs> and he said uh, oh that's right. one of the cult movies isn't it <laughs> and uh, we said yes yes it is <laughs> we also rented Kill and Kill again from him, I remember. Yeah, very nice. Seen that one? That's pretty good. Um, no, I know the title. Uh, yeah, so uh, God bless you, Nimi, wherever you are. I hope you're still renting uh, shitty VHS to people out there. Maybe he's uh, making a killing, selling them to people. He could, maybe. Yeah, he's a dude yeah. on eBay with, um, yeah, yeah, selling, uh, yeah, pre-certificate tapes and so forth. Yeah, who knows. Uh, and yeah, sorry, I got a bit derailed there. Happy memories of uh, of Nimi. <laughs> oh. uh, so anyway, where are we? Yeah, you know, Abby, she's out on the town. She's decided that um, she's not going to be a, a good Christian girl anymore. She's visiting various kind of like, uh, I guess, bars and discotheques and so on. And uh, at this point, the clothes get an awful lot more entertaining in the movie. <laughs> Uh, my yeah, even here, I can remember some of the clothes in this oh, bar. <laughs> there was some beautiful things going on here. My, my note here says uh, cream flares, plaid jackets, and giant bow ties in disco stroke bar. That's more <laughs> like it. Um, there was a dude with, uh, he had like a, a tasseled suede waistcoat with nothing underneath it. Obviously, like he had pants and trousers on, but he like bare chested, which, uh, which was pretty sweet. I like that. Um... Abby seduces the the church dude who she threw out of the church earlier. Uh, he happened to uh, be in this this bar for some reason. Yeah, you so, think he'd hold a bit of a grudge? Yeah, yeah. And, and why? You know, he's a good church guy. Why would he be out in this kind of uh, bar where everyone's you know getting their drink on and you know the uh, you know grinding up against each other and stuff? Well, you know what they say about men of the cloth. Eh? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Abby, uh, she seduces him, takes him outside to his car, and, um, she does him in the car, and fucking hell, man, there's like smoke pouring out the windows. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think they were just hotboxing it and yeah. getting really stoked. <laughs> that, that could be it, actually, yeah. Yeah. Had some primo, um, primo weed, I believe is the phrase. Uh, maybe that was it. I'm not sure. Uh, and while this is going on, I did notice William Marshall was kind of getting his exorcism kit ready. He was preparing, uh, you know, Blackula was preparing that. 
and he had uh, some very high-waisted slacks on. Ooh. Did you notice that? They were kind of like tan slacks, and they were, they were, you know, the belt was pretty much, you know, it was only a couple of inches below his nipples, so, you know, he was tucked in good and proper there. <laughs> uh, did you notice that uh, that next dude, uh, Abby goes back to the bar, and there's like this really sleazy, white, swinger-looking dude uh, doing the bad W.C. Fields impression? No, I don't remember that. No, okay. He um, no. he looks like a skinny Ron Jeremy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> just, just link pawn with it, and I'll, yeah. I'll remember. But uh, she takes him upstairs, and um, you don't hear anything else. But I don't think you know. I think she kills him, frankly. Um, but whilst that's going on, the camera pans past the jukebox, and you see the uh, the. James Brown album, the payback, the cover of that is on the jukebox. I thought that was pretty yep. sweet. Um, uh, by this point, uh, Emmett, her husband, uh, has caught up with her in the bar, and he's got uh, Detective Austin Stoker uh, with him. Uh, so they call uh, Blackula and say, Blackula, you've got to get over here, man, because uh, she's in the bar and it's going crazy. We've got to deal with it. I'd have preferred uh, if it had rocked up in like some kind of... Like low rider Hurst. Oh, that would have been sweet with his cape on as well. Yeah, totally. That would have been great, but no, he just comes in with his his fucking like anorak on and his his uh, he's kind of like a doctor's bag full of his exorcism kit. <laughs> yes, uh, that uh, the guy with the suede tassel uh, uh, like waistcoat. He's uh, he's been sort of uh, trying to get it on with Abby in the meantime. There's some other dude with a large afro and a high voice. Uh, sounds a bit like me actually. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, her husband sort of breaks this up. And, uh, so they start kind of beating him up, and the whole bar is like, yeah, yeah, give it to him. Give that motherfucker what he deserves. <laughs> I wrote that down. Wow. Uh, but, you know, uh, Austin Stoker's got his gun, lets off a few rounds, everybody runs. Um, and so it's just, uh, you know, it's Blackula, and it's, uh, her husband, and it's, uh, Austin Stoker. And, uh, you know, this is it. The exorcism begins. Time to exercise, motherfucker. Exercise that motherfucker. Um, So, you know, you get some levitation. You get... um, Bit of of vomit. You get, yeah, I I wrote creamy mouth here. It's kind of like um, thick vanilla McDonald's shake or something, isn't it? (laughs) Maybe a Taco Bell shake for our American cousin. Yeah. Um, Shitting out the other end instantly, yeah, uh, yeah, cre- you know, creamy mouth. Uh, there was uh, an exploding glitter ball, which is pretty good. Um, and you know, it ends soon afterwards, really. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Now, I-, I will say that uh, I think William Girdler is—he's an underrated director. He's actually—he's pretty good. He does a good job with this and the other movies I've seen of his. He's a competent, I'd say, you know, above average director. And he, he was obviously aware that um, he was working in exploitation. And I don't think he had any bones with that. He was just quite happy to try and sort of rise to the challenge. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a very competently directed film. Some yeah. of the dialogue's a bit hokey, you, as you would... You find that with, with, quite, with quite a few um, directors that just kind of go under the radar that do yeah. make genuinely good films. Like, there's, there's one that always... Uh, kind of comes to mind for me is like Piers Haggard who did uh, Blood on Satan's Claw and Venom yes. and those kind of things and, yeah you know they, they, obviously people appreciate those kind of films but they you know they don't really 
the names don't get banded around as much yeah. as possible, as much as they well, should, should I say. You know, they you know, being effectively exploitation movies, people other than, you know, weird sicko freaks like us aren't really going to be paying attention. You got Lord to wonder if, if yeah. You got to wonder if William Goodler, you know, if he was given a, a shitload of money and um you know, not necessarily a genre picture or, or you know, some interesting kind of movie to uh, direct. Or, you know, I'm sure he would have done a good job with it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously we um we never got to find out because um because he died uh, died so young. So I think he was scouting locations for his next movie actually when he died. So uh, two two directors who died before the prime or yeah. in the prime. Yeah. Who was the other one? Oh yeah. Oh, Galapano. <laughs> Oh yeah, Just that, yeah, that other piece of shit we covered a bit ago. What, what, what are you doing in my living room? What's going on here? Jeez, who are you? Uh, so, uh, I guess that that's pretty much all I've got to say on the subject. You know, I I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, it's bad. It was fun, wasn't it? It's, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not like well versed in black exploitation. I've watched like Black Belt Jones, Truck Turner, Shaft. 110th Street, those kind of films. Yeah. Um, and Have you seen yeah. any of the uh, black exploitation horror movies? Uh, not really. No, 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 not at all. Um, um, like, I obviously knew that. Uh, uh, what's his face? William, William Marshall, Marshall? Yeah. Uh, was Blackula. So. Yeah. But uh, but no, like I genuinely, genuinely surprised by this film. Uh, I, I do get the feeling that William Marshall just looks confused throughout the entire yeah, film. Has. Do you know, uh, I, I think he was cast mainly for his voice, because he's got a yeah, great I, commanding, out-demons-out out kind of voice, hasn't yeah. he? So, I mean, you know, we've definitely seen the setup before. Um, all I could think of was the bishop was a pimp. Uh, <laughs> There's one thing that I did notice as well, that the spirit likes to kick people in the balls, or yes, through Abbey, yeah. likes to kick people in the balls. Yeah, no, um, a couple of times, actually, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the uh, the mother certainly ain't no Bernstein. <laughs> the, the whole bit during the possessions, like, oh, my, my daughter. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It does the, oh, Lord, arms in the air kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's a little little broad, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> Although she's so, uh, a little broad, but boom. So when the bishop actually gets back from Nigeria, you know, he, he deciphers that she's possessed straight away. Uh, yeah, he, well, when uh, his son rings him up, and I think he's kind of twigs then, doesn't he? It's like, ah, uh, yeah. She's oh, dead. yes, this, this is a possession. Um, yeah. And it was a pretty lame attempt, really, to exercise her. Uh, exercise, yeah, yeah. It wasn't so good, was it? No, exactly. Really. Uh, yeah, yeah just, just go. Yeah. Just leave. And then she fucks up. And gets the thing. Um, also, that weird like, little coda at the end as well, when yeah. um, they're just they, they're going on holiday, and that's it. Yeah. Great. Uh, there's the bit where he, her husband just stops at a payphone and Abby rings him. Yeah. <laughs> so this spirit has A, made its way from Nigeria to Louisville and B, just knows the phone book off by heart. Yeah, well, uh, again, you know, Yellow Pages, I guess, yeah. is, is some kind of, you know, demon premium rate or something. I don't know. So uh, so the organist, uh, you know, he, he, he seemed very concerned about her well-being. But, you know, if, if, if you're taking a chip back to your car or your house or whatnot, you'd start to be a bit surprised if it turned out that she had a dude's voice uh, you know as soon as she got in the car it's like alright now motherfucker <laughs> didn't stop him though did it she uh, was um, well, all over him and he was uh, men women yeah etc yeah absolutely um, I mean uh, the, the idea of the spirit being a bit sex obsessed 
kind of stopped me comparing it to The Exorcist because it was kind of cool that you're not, you know, The Exorcist is kind of set in the bedroom. That that is like yeah. the focal point of the film. Whereas with this, you're not limited to one room. She's just kind of like on the prowl looking for victims. Yeah, well, it's not... good that they got out to the uh, to the kind of disco bar type thing. And yeah, the yeah, fact probably... that The Exorcism takes place in a disco is, you know, it's perfect, isn't it? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not 100% sure what killing people achieved, but you kind of got a funk score, yeah. like, driving around in the cars. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, during the bar scene when, uh, you know, the the pimps around there, they're not even that bothered when confronted with a demon. There's one dude who's just stood there with his sunglasses on and his arms crossed, just like, meh. Was he that guy? He was he was dressed entirely in white with that big white hat on. Yeah. Yeah, man, he looked, he looked really fucking cool, didn't he? It would take a lot to... Uh, Rumble him, I think. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, when all else fails, get out your pimp cross. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. That's uh, that's that's what you want to do. Yeah. But he kind of had the sound effects where he opened up his blaze and he went bling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he put on his up. like um when he was exercising yeah, or exercising, he put on like his dashiki, didn't he? And he got yeah, his the hat out and stuff, and he was yeah. Yeah, um, the, uh, the African exorcism. Yeah. During uh, during full possession, uh, Abby looked a lot like Benicio del Toro. <laughs> she did. Those big fucking eyebrows. She did, yeah. And also during the uh, during like you know the initial possession scenes, it looked like Lou Ferrigno, the the green face. That's it. That's what yeah. I was trying to think of. It's like the whole transformation scenes, wasn't it? You know what? Uh, when, yes. when I saw the poster for Abby, like when I just like first looked at it, I was like, "Oh, this is a new Benicio del Toro film." Like this is years ago before I knew what it was. <laughs> when you just saw that image, I was like, "Oh, well, he's doing a new film." God, uh, so yeah. yeah, William Marshall just looked in confused throughout the entire film. Uh, he apparently yeah. wasn't happy with the film because. Oh really? Did you uh, <laughs> did you read this or he wanted some script revisions made and they didn't happen? So apparently he was he was not a happy chap. Uh, yeah, well, it kind of shows. Yeah. Um, I think uh, he was too serious of an actor. Yeah, with, I mean, of like that, but you know, during the actual exorcism, the spirit's insults start getting gradually worse. It's just one bit where she turns around, it's like, "You're ugly, yeah. you're ugly." <laughs> really? Is that it? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the bishop just seems to bore the spirit away through the exorcism. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like, Ooh, he tries yeah. to. Um, to trick the spirit out of there by saying, oh, you know, you could leave if you, uh, well, you can leave, I'm not going to let you. And the spirit's like, oh, I could leave if I wanted to. And he's like, oh, no, 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 you can't. And then well, like, the spirit leaves. <laughs> the fucking stupid spirit. Um, and, yeah, that, that's pretty much me. With a, with, and with an explosion, Lou's gone. Um, I could do with a sequel. Uh, we could have had uh, Blackula versus Abby and Fuck me, Dracula, motherfucker. <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, Pretty good. With a, I'd go for some of that. Yeah, with an Isaac Hayes soundtrack. I'm, I'm oh, in. Oh, yeah. No, that would be awesome. But yeah, that, that that's kind of me. I mean, like I said, big surprise, to be honest. Uh, I've, I've, I've always known about this film. Uh, I never, ever thought I'd watch it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was fun, wasn't it? You know, it, it really, was, really um, was. Yeah, yeah it's uh, you know, it's not uh, stellar. It's not a, a classic, but uh, for what it is, it's one of the better um, sort of black exploitation horror movies uh, that I've seen. Certainly, yeah. um, it's better. That it's better than Blackula, frankly. Blackula is not a very good film. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's not quite as good as uh, Doctor Black and Mister Hyde. <laughs> that one's pretty good, but uh, I'd say it's probably up there with uh, Sugar Hill. The um, the zombie movie, that one's pretty good. 
So right. and there's a bunch of others I haven't seen. Oh, I've seen um, Blackenstein as well, which is appalling on every conceivable level. Terrible, <laughs> terrible film. But uh, yeah, no, this this was good. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So um, I was going to mention as well that, uh, again, all the actors in this, they all seem to do an awful lot of TV work later on. Most of them were in Starsky and Hutch at some point. Um, and uh, Austin Stone, no, Terry Carter, sorry, uh, who was Foxy Brown's boyfriend, uh, he was in a short-lived TV series, uh, which was called, I think, Bronk, B-R-O-N-K-E. Uh, now let's have a look at this. Uh, well, maybe it wasn't him. I don't know. Oh wow, he was in Benji about the uh, the dog as well. You remember that? No, uh, you were too young. You were you were a child. Oh, uh, maybe it wasn't him in Bronk, but I don't know. Someone was in a series called Bronk, and I just thought, wow, Bronk, man, that sounds pretty good. So um, yeah, cool. Well, uh, what's your rating then, uh, James? Uh, well, considering what I gave the Night Child and, you know, the entertainment value really wasn't on a par with this, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 7 out of 10. Uh, okay, good. Like I said, I'm, I'm not, I, I know, oh, I know the big hitters in the black exploitation genre and, like I said, I've, I've watched the kind of, like, main titles. I don't yeah. think it's, it's ever a genre that I'll ever get any further into other than the odd film, but, uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Very enjoyable. Nice, nice. Um, I would go for, let me think, uh, I'd probably go for, I'd go for a seven as well, I think. It's, uh, it's not like top tier, but it's, it's really enjoyable and it's something I think I would, you know, I'd happily watch this again. If there was a, a decent sort of DVD out there, a decent print, um, you know, well, I would own it, I think. It's a, it's a Warner Brothers film, isn't it? Uh, no, it's AIP. Uh, oh, Warner right. Brothers actually sued because of the, the similarities to The Exorcist, obviously, and it was out of circulation for years and years, right. and that's probably why there's only a, a shitty print available now. Yeah, someone mentioned to me that it may have been Warner Brothers, and uh, it was just in, you know, just in passing in a conversation because he was yeah. like, "Why can't no, a good version of it?" So, well, because one doesn't exist. He was like, "Warner's put it out." It's like, right, okay, yeah, obviously. No, it was uh, it was definitely AIP, and uh, yeah, the Warner's connection is uh, well, you know, as we as we discussed. So, um, yeah, cool, all right. Well, two sevens then, I guess that's pretty good. Maybe you should, uh, yeah, if you're in Uh, a a black exploitation, exploitation, um, possession kind of mood. Yeah, so, uh, so that's pretty much the show. Um, there will be no feed sack this week because we don't have any, frankly. Uh, well, maybe you you guys could, uh, out there could send us some uh, feed sack and maybe loaf and dough. Yeah, but you know, it'd be nice to let us know how how we got on. Uh, call us dicks, uh, say we're unprofessional and rubbish, whatever you want, I don't mind. You can't understand our, uh, accents, which is fine. I always find though, Americans can get away with swearing. Whenever we swear, it always seems really aggressive. Uh, it's because we're better at it. Yeah. Because they're a bunch of fucking pussies. Ah, fuck off. Ah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, cool. led to, I'm led to believe that uh, that next week on Silver and Gold, there's a uh, there's a, a running commentary with uh, none other than Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Stop on my mum will shoot. So oh, believe, uh, I'm looking forward to that. So that that's going to be a three-hour episode of Silver and Gold that's next it. week. Uh, They'll have to actually watch the film twice to do yeah. that. Um, they have to watch it twice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, no, what they're doing is they're watching the film okay. with Sly doing the commentary and then 
doing the commentary with Sly doing the commentary. So oh, uh, sweet, that's going to be pretty so good. It's a pre- episode. Um, if that doesn't happen, then Sly Stallone should definitely ring in and uh, and do a, an hour and a half commentary of the film. I, I yeah, fully, I think so. Yeah, I fully endorse that. I um, think so. Other than that, um, it's uh, yeah, we're done. It's, uh, yeah, I just want to uh, thank uh, Loaf and Zom for allowing us to um, come in and uh, kind of wreck their show. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think we've done too badly. It's been all right, hasn't it? It's been all right. You know, we, uh, yeah, we, uh, there was a lack of uh, bodily functions over the air. But, yeah, you know. do you know, I, tried, I did fart earlier, but it wasn't loud enough to, for the microphone oh, to pick it up. So. It's got to be an earth mover to, to be audible. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, maybe I should have just... Held the mic down by my butt, but you know that's that's a bit juvenile. Well, I am part naked, so that's you know kind of living up to uh, which uh, part, uh, which part, James? Uh, everything bar pants. Oh yeah, you said that earlier. I was just trying to give you an opportunity to talk about little James there, but <laughs> I guess not. He's all wrapped up. Cool. All right. Well, uh, if anything, uh, if, if only one thing comes of us uh, doing this, I really hope that uh, Sly will invite us both to. Um, Go and work out in his basement in our underpants. Yeah, well, I mean, so, I've, I've I've got a bit of a flabby gut these days. Yeah, me too. Jeez, I've I've got quite a sweet tooth, so uh, you know, just working off that chocolate and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. give us like some tips. 16, like. 17 hours, that'd be good. Yeah, cool. Yes. All right, so in a bit. Uh, yeah. All right, later. Yeah. Should we do that oops thing or? Um, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks, James. And thanks for suggesting this in the first place, because this wouldn't have happened without you. Um, so it's been an absolute privilege and an honour to uh, to be part of this. So thank you, cool. James. Yep, and to you, Bernie. Okay, goodbye. Uh... <laughs>